Dynamic duo of Herb Lawrence and Chris Tannehill. Those two are like a tag team, you know? Come with me to Southside of Chicago. Hi, this is Jim Tomey, and the best White Sox talk is on Locked On Sox podcast with Tanny and Herb. Hello, and welcome back to Locked On Sox. My name is Herb Lawrence. With me, as always, is Chris Tannehill. Chris, how are you doing? Oh, doing just fine, Herbie. I hope all is well in your world. We're just churning out mailbag episodes here, and we're 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 crawling to the end of this work week here, uh, the, the Thanksgiving week. And uh, we appreciate you guys checking out the shows from Sunday and Monday. Uh, Monday being Mailbag Monday, and this being Talk to Us Tuesday, part two of our mailbag, where we have a ton of batshit crazy trade proposals by our listeners, and it's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, you know, getting inside. Very rarely do you get an opportunity to get inside a White Sox fan brain, but you have a real good glance at that. And I don't know if you want to. Once you get in there, it's hard to, to make your way back out. But we're going to take you inside of the mind of a, of a White Sox fan and their trade proposals on this episode of Locked On White Sox. And tomorrow, a little sneak preview here, tomorrow's episode, uh, we're going to talk about the news of today that broke just before we sat down tonight, uh, is Blake Snell is on the market, uh, apparently, for the Tampa Bay Rays. Uh, what would it take to get him? What would you not be willing to give up to get him? And uh, what are, what's the thought process here for the Tampa Bay Rays? We're breaking that all down tomorrow in our last episode before Thanksgiving. So uh, without any further ado, should we get the bag open? Let's do it. A lot of emails. We're going to try to get to some. There's another email. I love email. Oh, and we love email too. We love your emails. We love getting inside your mind. We love your stream of consciousness thoughts when you're thinking about the socks during the week. How can they get in touch with us for Mailbag Monday for a future episode? You send your emails to lockedonsocks at gmail.com. Our email address is lockedonsocks at gmail.com. Your questions, your comments, whatever you want to write us, send them there. Thank you, sirs and ma'ams. Yeah, absolutely. So the first one, uh, where, we last, where we last left off, is we, we, we talked about a couple of interesting trade proposals with Chris Bryant and, uh, and guys like that, talking about the Cubs and we're trying to poach, we're trying to go in like vultures and pick after the, the bones on their roster. Uh, but we have a, another one leading us off here tonight. Uh, oh, by the way, it's episode 77, How Could We Forget? Only two men. Uh, have been courageous enough to sport the number uh, double seven for the White Sox in their history. Uh, of course, uh, Yolmer Sanchez, when he first broke into the show, that's what I call uh, the Major League Baseball, he uh, in 2014, and then Will Omen. That's Carlos Sanchez. Oh, but see, he's listed as Yolmer. Uh, on this, so I guess like they they they're, they're trying to erase history here, and they, they they have there's no mention of Carlos Sanchez at all on Baseball they Reference. Killed him. Yeah, they did. Yeah, um, I, that was one of my favorite things that Steve Stone ever said. First base side, that is a fair ball. Sanchez did not run, and Mauer retires him. Yolmer doesn't run. Carlos always ran. 
That's <laughs> <laughs> one of my favorite Steve Stone things. So, uh, but yeah, so episode seventy-seven, uh, it's the Will Omen episode. Um, <laughs> you know, he finished oh, out man. his, yeah, yeah. See what he did there. Um, Will Omen, of course, finishing off his career with the White Sox uh, after. Uh, pitching 12 years uh, in the big leagues and most notably with the Cubs. You know, how about this if you're Will Omen? He was hurt in 02 and 03, so he missed uh, the, the, the the big years there for the Cubs and the 03, you know, you know, NLCS, and then doesn't pitch at all in 04, and then he's there for a lot of the down years on the north side, and then, of course, comes over a few years later uh, after pitching with the Marlins, but he, he was that thing. It's like whenever you're a pitcher that used to be with the Cubs, like that Sox, die Sox, white fan fan base, always have that, oh, he's got that Cubs stink on him. Oh, here he goes. Here Get comes, that off him. Yeah, here's Will Omen coming in a game again to blow it, <laughs> even though you know he wasn't horrendous with the White Sox. But, yeah, just one of those things that uh, Sox fans always, those crutches that we love so much is to, to shit on guys that were formerly with the Cubs. But uh worked out pretty good with, uh, with Eloy and Dylan sees though didn't it huh thanks cubs weirdly enough will omen follows me on twitter i don't know why but he loves the lion i talk i don't know maybe <laughs> maybe he's a racist uh, like you yeah. Is he a yes ra- exactly <laughs> As we learned a couple weeks ago that i am a racist but yeah um he follows me and you know hopefully you're listening to this will when i post it you had a yeah not that great white Sox career but a 10-year career hell i would do for a half a fucking cup of coffee in the major leagues and man was in the league for 10 years it's pretty solid man yeah will omen born in frankfurt chamonix um he's been all around oh. yeah he's been all around the they're world commissar. yeah the original their commissar we you know we would we would fight about that back in the day on who to play uh dirk commissar for will omen or or edwin jackson uh, one of the many things we'd fight about but this guy's been a, been around germany went to pepperdine uh, in malibu california uh, went to high school in, yeah went to high school in colorado will omen's been all around the world in i yeah yeah so at ponderosa Delicious. Delicious. <laughs> at Ponderosa, Colorado. Yeah, I went to school in Sizzler, Illinois. <laughs> there we go. You nailed it, Herb. Let's get the bag open here. Bag's already open. Sorry, my apologies. The bag's just sitting here open, wondering when we're going to get to it. Uh, Alex is checking in. Hey, Chris and Herb, after speaking with some co-workers who are Cubs fans, oh, God, uh, uh, thoughts and prayers to you, am I right? Um, I thought about a trade idea that I was curious on your opinions on. Listen to this one. I love this one so much. Cubs get... Leori Garcia. Awesome. Nick Madrigal. We're, and, we're cooking with gas. And Ronaldo Lopez. <laughs> Baby. <laughs> we're getting back. Oh, man. Oh, we're getting you Darvish back. Let's go! Let's go! <laughs> and I love when it, when the when the listener qualifies here. Shout out to Alex. He goes. This might sound absurd. Yes, uh, but <laughs> but hear me out. The Cubs have struggled this past year with getting performance out of their bats, and given they're thinking about breaking apart their core, it seems like a perfect opportunity for a crosstown trade. Uh, Garcia is good on the field when he isn't injured. As much as I really don't want to trade Magical, losing a bat like his won't be as bad if we get a solid pitcher like Darvish out of it and we can grab George Springer or Michael Brantley in the offseason and perhaps Ronaldo Lopez would do better up north and the Cubs wouldn't have to worry about losing a pitcher plus on the financial side from what I've been hearing is the Cubs suffered heavily from the lack of fans oh you're buying into that propaganda again Alex Uh, perhaps more so than any of the other teams and the new CEO may consider shedding the payroll that you makes up 
All in all, I think this would be a good trade for the Cubs and a very good starting pitcher for the Sox, and would love to hear your thoughts. That's Alex. All right, Alex, just, uh, take care of your mental health uh, during uh, this this holiday season, okay? Just t- spend some time to take care of yourself, okay? Um, you, you worry me with this trade proposal. Now, I see where your logic is here. Leary Garcia, it's, it's one of those guys that, yeah, the Cubs would have benefited from a guy like that, a contact guy, guy that can play everywhere on the diamond practically. Uh, Nick Madrigal, another one of those guys, high contact players. Like Those guys would fit nicely in the Cubs lineup to complement you know, their, their, their hitters like Rizzo and Bryant and Contreras and Schwarber, table setters. I, I get where your head's at here, and I love where your heart's at, obviously. But, Herb, what do we think of this trade proposal? Uh, the Cubs hung up right when you said Larry Garcia. When you started off with Larry Garcia, they hung up the phone because there's no interest in Larry Garcia at all. You know, you tantalized a little bit more with Nick Madrigal, and then you ended it with Ronaldo Lopez. Come on, man. Yeah, I, I love – yes, I get it. I appreciate you listening to the show. But we got to be realistic with these trades. Make it hurt. If it hurts a little bit, then that trade was good. If it hurts not at all – then the trade sucks. It sucks a hundred percent. So when you make your trade proposals, make sure like, ah, oh, man, it's going to real hurt, man. Losing Vaughn, losing this guy, losing Kopech. That's ah, but getting this guy feels good. Needs it. So that's my suggestion to you guys. If you're going to do a trade proposal, either here to locked on socks, calling into the score with your friends, make the stuff hurt. And then you know he's got a good trip proposal. <laughs> that's that's a good uh, way of thinking about these things. And the whole you know the Cubs rely more on the fans than any other team. Like don't don't fall into that. What 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 they're saying? I'm just only speculating here. I'm not a financial expert. All teams rely on on their fan base to come in and spend money. And mm-hmm. I think what the Cubs are saying is they have such an infrastructure built in and around the ballpark where they get yep. so much money coming into those areas. Where that they have that year round, yeah, year round with people staying at the hotels and everything like that. That's what they mean when they say like when they're getting hit hard. It just means that there's so much money that they're making in a normal situation, and now they're not making any of that. So when they're when they're talking about their losses, it's not losses; it's just lack of gains. You know what I mean? And I'm sure they're not. I'm sure there's teams that are not making a whole lot of money. You know, I, I'm not again. I'm not a financial expert, and not having fans in your ballpark has got to hurt you know but when you when the cubs you hear stuff like that coming from teams it's because they have such a big pot to work from that that's what they're talking about there just think about everything around the ballpark that they own that they normally would get money you get forty thousand a game packing it in concessions food and then you get them spending money in and around your ballpark like that's what they're talking about right there and certainly you know it's probably when you're looking at their bottom line at the end of the year i'm sure it's a pretty stark difference what they're used to working with so but don't don't fall into this thing that they're that they're hurt more so than any other team by it you know unless you know, of course, they they could have it in their budget that they're counting on that money from those outside properties. But you know, I, I, you know that's that's uh, an area that I'm not smart enough to to go in any further in that. But uh, thank you, yeah, Alex. While I was cutting up the Jed Hoyer slash uh, Tom Ricketts presser today, he was talking about the need, the want, the desire to have people back in the park in the area in March to have the vaccines to be so effective that they can get you know, their businesses start running. Like you said, that whole thing, that Gallagher way, that uh, the hotel, I don't know what it's called, 
Julius, whatever it's that, called across it, the street. The W is it? Is that the W? No. What is that? Oh, the. It's uh, called. It's called hotel, and then some <laughs> dude's name. I forgot what it is, but the big star, all those things that you know have rents. Hotel Zachary. Zachary, I knew it was some dude's name. How could I forget um, it for a guy Zach Sadman? How could I forget a Zachary? <laughs> he went to the Harvard <laughs> of the industry, Syracuse. Yes. Um, yeah. So, um, but yeah, all the yeah, restaurants. So all there. that money he needs to get. Like right now, they would usually be doing like a skating rink for the winter season or Christmas. What is that? Christmas Kindle. What Chris, is it? Chris Kindle Market. Market. Yeah. Yeah, that thing around Wrigley losing that money. So yeah, there's a lot. Yeah, when he says biblical losses, he'll be fine. They will not be going to the poorhouse anytime soon. But they're not in this Cubs thing for World Series. They're not in this Cubs thing for, you know, for charity. They're in this thing to make money. That's what he sold his dad on, Joe Ricketts. Dude, they come to this ballpark no matter what. It is a cash cow. And that's what he's been in for. That's what his dad's been in for. That's what Pete and Laura and the other one, I forgot the other one's name, is in for. Cold, hard money. And yeah, it might sound callous that a billionaire is saying that they took biblical losses, but he did take a lot of money. He, he that, Like a lot of money that he was expecting this year didn't come into his coffers. So he'll find that somewhere else, whether it's on the baseball side or on the business side or somewhere else. He'll find that money so he doesn't have to personally go into his pocket to have to pay for things. So, yeah, it's it's a struggle for them, but they're not that dumb to say, yeah, let's get rid of our nice, cost-effective, cheap, top-of-the-rotation pitcher and you, Darvish, for these bag of balls that the White Sox are throwing me. I like your trade. You know, if we can get rid of it, if we could do that on a game, baby, let's go. Yeah. But real life, no, that that won't happen. I'd absolutely love to have you, Darvish. No doubt, no doubt about it. And I think that the Cubs are, they line up perfectly as a trade partner here, you know, uh, almost like the flip side of what it was when the, when the Sox were, were tearing things down and the Cubs looking to tear things down. Now, I don't know if they're tearing things down just from an organizational philosophy where they're just like, you know what, we're going to gut this thing down to the studs and we're going to try to acquire talent or if they're just tearing it down for a financial side of it and just try to get by on scouting and try to fill their roster on the cheap with like some more creative moves so they can still compete. I, I, you know, I, I think it would be a weird thing to all of a sudden blow it up after you had an entire season where the fans weren't able to like, you know, say goodbye to their favorite players or whatever and all of a sudden they come back and it's not the same team and you're you're counting on that revenue and, and the fans packing it in every day. I think they're gonna still want to have some sort of uh, drawing potential for you know some of the old favorite players that the, the fans can come see. Uh, you know, I think maybe you Darvish is one of those guys that you would pay to go see every fifth day. I certainly would. So it, it'll be interesting to see which guys they choose to part with. You know, Schwarber they may just let walk. You know, you heard about the Chris Bryant rumors. We talked about that yesterday. So yeah, a lot of a lot of variables here, and it's going to be exciting to see what they do uh, on the north side there. But you know, you talk about the George Bell for Sammy Sosa, and then the Sox get the Cubs back with the uh, Matt Karchner for John Garland, and then you know, of course, the Eloy trade. But now you may be in a position now where now it's time to to pay the Cubs back a little bit, and you're going to have to part with some guys that you didn't necessarily want to part with because you're in your window. It's just how it goes when you're making trades, and you know, I, I like the fact that the that the door is open to that. You know, Rick Hahn and, and Theo reopened the, those doors. 
uh, with the Eloy trade, and maybe the, the Cubs feel a little bit burned by that, but maybe also they want to try to to even the score a little bit and acquire some young White Sox talent. So I'm really looking forward to seeing what the Cubs do uh, this offseason. So thank you, Alex, for your trade proposal. Uh, it was good content right there. We spent a good portion of time talking about it, so I guess it wasn't so crazy after all. Uh, so thank you, Alex, for checking in. Uh, next one here, we got, got one a late edition here from uh, our guy John Shank hitting us up. We're thinking about you, buddy. Uh, he goes, hope you guys are doing well. Uh, question is, what trades or trade would you guys make this offseason? And we just talked about a couple yesterday, and we're going to talk a lot about Blake Snell in tomorrow's episode, our last episode before Thanksgiving. So you'll hear some some stuff there. But also, more importantly, John wants to know, what is the go-to side for Thanksgiving and or beer uh, slash alcohol of choice? Have a nice Thanksgiving, guys. Keep up the great work. That's from our guy, John Shank. Uh, so Herb, uh, Thanksgiving first and foremost here, obviously. What's, what's your what's your go-to side? Maybe there's like a sleeper side, something that, something that you always look forward to that doesn't get all the attention like what's your hipster side for thanksgiving yeah i don't know if you guys i mean you guys had know us stuffing of course but in the black family in the black community we call it dressing so it's oyster dressing so um i don't know how to make it but my mom and aunts and everybody makes it it's just delicious it's the star every time of course you can have your macaroni and cheese but i have macaroni and cheese other times during the year so i would say Dressing is the only Thanksgiving is the only time I can have dressing and mercy. It just knocks out the park every single time. It pairs perfectly with all this, the foods you're having there. Um, you want to put a little gravy on it. You can, but my, my mom's uh, dressing always comes out perfectly moist, delicious. And it's uh, a hit every time at our house. So if you have a black friend, you have a, <laughs> a, a, a black woman that, cooks food for thanksgiving you know be safe kind of drop by our house and say can i get can i get a plate and what give me some of that dressing make sure you run some dressing some greens some mac and cheese leave the chitlins at the house you know, don't don't put any chitlins on your plate you're gonna ruin your plate get some turkey and uh have a good night and then you know it depends on which house you go to i know people like that can uh, cranberry stuff that's that's trash <laughs> You yep. need to go and get you Guilty. somebody who can cook you up a real cranberry dish and cut that up right and put that on your plate. <laughs> Magnifique. Guilty. But dressing is my number one. Guilty. We have the, the canned cranberry every year. It feels like just a formality. Ridiculous. Like, I don't enjoy it. You know, it's a very old school white thing to do is the cranberry sauce. Like, I don't really get a kick out of it. I never look forward to it. I've, then I've had real cranberry sauce, like from restaurants and stuff like that, where they're actually trying to make it like with care and with, with fresh ingredients. And to me, like just the, you know, the, it's still, it, it's not worth, you know, the, the, the difference there is minimal to what you get out of a can. And it's my opinion, because like just as a concept, as a dish, the cranberry sauce, mm -hmm. don't really care about it one way or another. Um, one thing that I always look forward to, my grandmother used to make it all the time, and my mom is, has uh, carried on that tradition uh, of, of making this side dish, which I always look forward to, which I don't even know if we're going to have this year because our Thanksgiving's a little bit in flux. We were talking about maybe having it catered because we don't feel like cooking, maybe just getting the turkey catered and then cooking sides 
but we always uh, look forward to uh, you know the al gratin potatoes. Like I, that's one of my favorite things. Always the cheesy mm-hmm. po- cheesy potatoes. I always look forward to that first and foremost. But then you always have sweet potatoes trying to steal the show. Uh, you know, I'm just like I, I just like my starch, like my meat and my starch, and that's it. I don't really care much about the rest of it. But that's one thing I always look forward to, especially when my mom makes it. And reminds me of my, when my grandma used to make it. But the al gratin potatoes always uh, rock solid in my book. Um, but also, I've started my own little tradition now that I'm a, a homeowner. I've been making the uh, the maple bacon Brussels sprouts. Uh, I grill them up there, uh, quick, easy, and tastes so delicious. And whoever thought a, a vegetable could be a supporting actor uh, <laughs> in your Thanksgiving, uh, uh, you know, feature? But that's that's what my maple bacon Brussels sprouts will do for you. So I'm looking forward to making those. Like I, I don't have them a lot, uh, but usually Thanksgiving uh, or Christmas, I usually roll them out. So I'm looking forward to. That sounds hit. delicious. Yeah, I enjoy it. Uh, what about uh, what do you what are you sipping on uh, for Thanksgiving, Herb? Well. Thanksgiving and Christmas, of course, um, me being lactose intolerant hasn't stopped me from drinking milk and milk like products. So, (laughs) of course, the only time you really can have this is during Thanksgiving and Christmas. So I'm going to have some eggnog and I'll put some some rum, some brandy in there and make it real nice, real special for and be festive. But eggnog, 100 percent. I'm going to have some of that. It's delicious every time it goes down. I know people out there are yakking because they can't stand the taste of eggnog, but. For me, there's nothing better during a family get-together, having some eggnog, getting a little buzz on, and regaling some old times with your family. I know this year won't be the same. like, like We won't be seeing our families, but that's what I think about Thanksgiving and Christmas. I think about eating some good food, being with your family, and then getting a little buzz as you're an your adult with your parents. It's weird seeing your parents being drunk too that's and but you get some stories though get some real good stories out of that yeah unless you're uh you're irish and just hold everything in and uh you know just let that resentment bottle up and the alcohol just compounds it uh but yeah that that's fair and that's the one thing i will enjoy about uh, the the different thanksgiving this year is the fact that i, I will be at home i'm not going to do much of any driving, so I, I will probably take a, an opportunity to uh, to have a few cocktails and un- unwind a little bit, uh, maybe have a little gummy action afterwards to, to come down from it all, but uh, I, I've been messing around with a few cocktails lately. I mentioned the other day that I went to Revolution Brewery and I got that straight jacket. It's called Straight Jacket Barley Wine, which uh, makes mm-hmm. you feel all nice and toasty, and it'll it'll uh, it'll it'll get you hammered uh, too sweet. Uh, but that's like a classy end beverage. But uh, uh, I've been messing around with like Moscow Mule. It's basically a Moscow Mule with uh, with cranberry juice thrown in there for a little color, so it looks like a festive holiday drink. Um, but also another drink that I've been messing around with that I saw a recipe for yesterday. When I go up to Traverse City, Michigan, they have this great whiskey company called Traverse City Whiskey, a genius name, and uh, they had a recipe out for a a whiskey cocktail with their cherry whiskey with hot cocoa uh, on top of it with a little whipped cream as a little uh, little dessert nightcap right there. So that that I, I'm gonna be messing around with uh, all types of different beverages, and of course uh, I've got the Fistmas here in the beer fridge and still some Spotted Cow from uh, from the summer. So yeah, we have plenty of alcohol here. Uh, you know, we're kind of a snob in that regard. There's some Miller Lite, but let's be real it's for my dad so you know other than that you know i i will take a moment and have a few cocktails because i i've earned them damn it so and it's been a stressful year and no that's that's the 
the the privilege of having a home game for Thanksgiving with the with small gatherings is you get to drink and, and do whatever you want because it's your house. So uh, God bless if if you're one of those folks out there who gets to get hammered in their own home for the holidays. So uh, yeah, thank you, uh, thank you, John, for uh, for reaching out, uh, thinking about you. We hope you guys have a nice Thanksgiving and uh, your beautiful family as well. So uh, moving on here, the next one coming in, uh, we're gonna skip. Uh, our guy Sam from Hinsdale, because I believe he got in yesterday, so he sent in a couple. He did. So we're gonna let love some- you, Sam. Yeah, love you as always. We're gonna let someone else get a crack at, it. especially we have a lot of new newcomers here for uh, Mailbag Monday, aka Talk to Us Tuesday. This is from James. He writes this: longtime listener, finally submitting a couple questions. Well, thank you, James, for finally getting off your keister and getting on your keyboard. Uh, first point: I was mentally prepared to let Lopez and Rodon and their quote-unquote talent walk this offseason, but hearing great things about the Cats uh, and his success—he called them the Cats. Uh, I should proofread these. Hearing great things about Cats and his success with Giolito makes me wonder if bringing them back and seeing if a new voice can fix slash harness them is a better option. All right, so this is a four-different-tier email. What do you think about that? Do you think uh, old Ethan Katz can do anything uh, for Ronaldo or uh, Carlos Rodon? I mean, yeah. I mean, anything I would try on those guys is kind of a last resort for them. I don't even know if they're going to tender Carlos Rodon if he's coming back for next year. But I would try anything, but I would not – put any weight in them being in the rotation if i'm the white Sox, yeah ethan do what you can do with these guys in february when we got down to uh glendale and we'll see them when we when we uh, break camp but they're not in our rotation we can't trust on carlos rodon to be a starter for us because we're we've been through this he is gonna get hurt that's not gonna be the thing and we're very low inconsistency yeah, work with them. Do whatever you need to do. Weighted balls, towels. I don't know. Do something. Do something different. And then hopefully they're receptive to whatever he's saying. I think Carlos Rodon's best option for going forward in his career is being a reliever. He can use all his pitches. He's be much more effective than he is. If he can somehow regain his upper 90s fastball and retain that filthy slider that cuts into a right-handers and goes away to left-handers, he'll be one of the best uh, left-handed relievers in the game, if not a closer. And I think he needs to wrap his mind around that. Yeah, it's not as much money as you would make as a starter, but you can't make it through a season as a starter. You need to gear down and realize your career is this now. As this episode is named after Will Oman, he made a 10-year career out of being a guy that came out of the bullpen and did his job. So Carlos Rodon needs to do the same. And if Ethan Katz can get him to that mindset, same thing with Ray Lowe, I think he'll be, can be a reliever. Maybe not a dominant one, but he has good stuff. And if Ethan Katz can find a way to unlock that potential inside of him, let's do it. I I, I wouldn't give away these guys because they're relatively cheap on cheap you still have them under your control so do whatever you need to do to see what they have and then once you give them a chance either here at the major league level or the triple a you see if they've learned anything if anything's changed and you go from there yeah, I, I would find it hard to believe that the Sox would just let Carlos Rodon walk. I think, if anything, what the playoffs taught us was you always need more pitching, and one extra arm sitting there can help you get through an inning, a game, or what have you, especially over 162. Now, 
Case in point with Carlos Rodon, we saw him coming in a, in a relief role in that Cleveland game, uh, but maybe not something he was necessarily prepared to do. That was his first game back off the injured list, and you <laughs> see him not being able to get out of that inning in Oakland, but didn't have a clean inning from what I remember about that game. Uh, so yeah, it's it's a little bit different, but yeah, it's I, I don't think they would let him go just because you, you always need extra arms available, and maybe that's a guy who I would tinker around with to try to be that closer if you don't bring back Alex Colomay is, you know, someone who can pound the strike zone and get him in a role that he's comfortable with, that he knows he's going to be out there no matter what, not a surprise in the middle of a game. This way you can use Aaron Bummer, like we talk about so often, as being that actual weapon out of the bullpen and using him in the actual high leverage spots in a ball game. Because, you know, saves can occur, you know, in the you know sixth or seventh inning as opposed to the ninth inning sometimes. So you want to have make sure you have your best reliever and Aaron Bummer flexible and use him how you've already been using him. So, yeah, I, I, would, be, I would be very surprised – if if Carlos Rodon was just done, and I know a lot of Sox fans are done with him, but you know I always I always root for a guy to to salvage something and, and to 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 prove the naysayers wrong, and he certainly has a lot of reason to have a lot of naysayers. But with one year left, you never know how you can utilize a guy, new manager, new pitching coach, new everything. You know it, you know it could feel like. Uh, you know, uh, all of a sudden uh, a rebirth for him maybe, and maybe he finds success somewhere else. I, I know the the talent is there, and he's one of those guys that as soon as you let him go, he's going to have success with someone else like Tampa Bay or something like that. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> So that's just always one of those things that I think about with Rodon. Next point here from James. Uh, how difficult is it to transition to right field? Well, let's ask Ron Washington. Tell him, Wash. It's incredibly hard. I've seen people say that Vaughn or Berger or Michael Brantley couldn't play there, uh, but next to Luis, does it really matter all they really need to do is play the line Luis will handle the rest and right and I say this mostly kiddingly but in my dream offseason the Sox get Brantley for two years 25 to 30 million and then have a little time for an internal option to play right field and have extra money to get Bauer oof you know right fields I don't know if I want to be messing around with it with someone experimenting out there when you're in your championship window you should have known commodities out there and, and know what a guy can do the Andrew Vaughn thing mm-hmm. I, I you know we saw him at third base during the uh, that training camp there in the summer the summer camp for the White Sox it, it, it did not look good um, but you would think maybe right field would be an easier but usually out of the the corner outfield spots left field is the position where you hide someone in and we are we're already hiding Eloy out there um, and, and I hate to put too much on Luis Robert in center field to all of a sudden have to cover basically the entire center uh, the entire outfield area. Um, yeah, the I don't know. Berger, I don't know. I think you're just happy just to get him through an entire year of minor league ball without him getting hurt. I think that would be a victory for him this year. Uh, but yeah, Andrew Vaughn playing right field. I don't know if he if he's got the build for that. You know, he's kind of uh, you know clunky out there a little bit, not very agile. I don't think. Uh, but yeah, what, what do you think about this whole experiment in right field just to get a, a, an extra bat in there? I'm not good with that. As you said, you're in your championship window. No need to be out there experimenting, especially in right field. If he's a first baseman by trade, probably doesn't have a great arm. So he can't be going to right field. Right field is for those guys with uh, electric arms, with arms to throw people out. And if he doesn't have the speed nor recognition, um, jump off the bat, all these things that you know a regular right fielder would have from years of experience, either playing in Little League, through college to minors and the majors, he would be missing all that. Yeah. It looks like it's very easy to catch a ball, but you know, you got to know the little things, the little nuances, how a ball spins off a right-handers bat 
when you're in right hand, right field, and maybe it's cutting towards the line. Would he know that? Would he understand the the swirling winds of guaranteed rate and how they play that day? You know, I don't want that to be happening live as a rookie too. You know, first time action, and he's playing a position that he's not familiar with and a park that he's not familiar with. And all these things going on and feeling the weight on his shoulders uh, of locking down this position. No, I'd rather just have him as designated hitter slash first baseman every once in a while and just let his bat play. I think playing poorly in the infield, we saw that um, carry over for Yohan Mankata in 2018 where he played poor second base and that bat didn't do well at all. Then he got over to third base, more comfortable. He's more confident at third. He saw the glove do work. He saw the bat do work. And I think some of the stuff goes hand in hand. Uh, finishing up uh, James' email here, he had another point about a backup catcher, maybe bringing in Yadi Molina. I don't think Yadi would be willing to be uh... – of uh, Yasmani's backup uh, <laughs> in that regard. Mm-hmm. Um, but finally, James closes out here by saying, what happened to the Jason Benetti call? Have all the fun you want, Tim Anderson. This game's done at the end of the intro. That got me hyped every time. Bring it back, James says. Uh, well, just a little inside baseball here. So we had to shorten the open a little bit uh, because of, you know, uh, I guess uh, podcast music rights, you know, rules and stipulations. So we had to do a little fat trimming in that open. And I think I'm going to probably tweak the open for, for 2021 anyway. Maybe throw in Giolito's no-hitter in there. Maybe figure out a way to get Tim Anderson back in the fold. But we had to shorten it up quickly. So some things had to, had to you know, be eliminated. And I thought uh, it would be nice to have Eloy have some representation in there because who doesn't smile when they hear Jason Benetti say, Thanks, Cubs! I know I do every time. So, yeah, that, that's just a little – it wasn't uh, – no thought behind it, but you're the first one, James, that's mentioned it. So I'll keep that in consideration because uh, uh, T.A. obviously is our guy. So uh, maybe I'll, we'll get him back in the fold in the new open. So thank you for checking in for a first time. Pretty good email for a first-time contributor. LockedOnSocks at gmail.com. LockedOnSocks Twitter, Instagram if you want to hit us up. Uh, if you're someone out there who hasn't reached out yet, please do so. We'd love to hear from you. Uh, wrapping it up here with two more batshit crazy trade proposals here. Next one coming in from Gordon. He says, I'm talking with one of my Ranger fan friends about a trade scenario. This is how I already know that Gordon's lying. Who's got Ranger fan friends? Uh, well, I guess, <laughs> yeah. well, we have a Ranger fan friend, right? Layla, would she consider herself a Ranger? Yeah, she's a Ranger fan and a friend. Yeah, but yeah, but I, I do the fan thing as like, if you have pain after a game, yeah. that's a fan. Like you care either or if that per- if that team wins or loses. Like people ask me if I'm a Bulls fan, I'm like no, nah, I don't really care if they win or lose. So I treat fandom as a sacred thing. Like every Bears game, I feel shitty because they're a shitty team. <laughs> same thing with the White Sox. When they lose, I feel shitty. When they win, man, my day is made. A lot of same thing. I'm fans of those teams. To be a fan, I think you have to have some pain or some joy after it. So maybe I'm a little too hard, but yeah. There's yeah. no such thing as a Rangers fan. Okay, yeah. So he, so Gordon says his Ranger fan buddies and, and him came up with this trade scenario. You ready for this? All right, you ready to have your socks knocked off here if you're uh, the Rangers general manager right now? Okay. The Rangers receive 
Nick Madrigal. I, I love how all these trades have Nick Madrigal in them, by the way. Hey, man, everyone, is, everyone is so done with the Nick Madrigal concept. We all know what he is. He's a nice little player, but ultimately he's the first one that you're willing to to throw off the ship in, in order to, 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 to get some uh, get your, your, your ship a little load a little bit lighter there. Uh, Nick Madrigal going to the Rangers along with Dane Dunning, Ronaldo Lopez, and Yermin Mercedes. And the White Sox receive Lance Lynn and Joey Gallo. Herb, what do you think about that trade? Again, for those of you playing general manager at home, Nick Madrigal, Dunning, Lopez, Yermin go to the Rangers in exchange for Lance Lynn and Joey Gallo. What do you hear? Can what I, do you say? Can I get Jerry Gallo instead? <laughs> no, Jerry Gallo. <laughs> um, hmm. All right. We get two decent players for giving up on Madrigal and Dane Dunning. <sighs> Do the Rangers like that? I don't think the, I think the Rangers say definitely no, because Lance Lynn by himself, maybe could get that deal done, but then you're throwing in a power bat like Joey Gallo down there. I don't think that they pull the trigger on that. Maybe. Yeah. Like solo Lance Lynn Dunning, and Madrigal gets the job done. Um, yeah, it's a clunky. I like it. I like it as a White Sox fan. I love it as a White Sox fan. Um, we get a starting pitcher who's you know a little old, long and tooth, but he's been dealing the last couple of years as a pitcher. And then a power bat and Joey Gallo get plug him right into right field, and we can go to work. And we really won't count care about his strikeouts because he's hitting forty bombs a year. Um, yeah, I'm I'm in for that one. Yeah, I would be too. Um, you know, your mean we talked about yesterday doesn't really have a home. Uh, Lopez, you know, I, you you can't really consider Lopez part of your future plans. The Dunning thing, you know, that's where it starts to hurt a little bit when you give up something to get something. So it makes sense in that regard. And Madrigal, yeah, sure, fine, whatever. <laughs> you know, we're we're all on the same page about Nick Madrigal. Yeah, I don't think the Rangers make that deal because you're making your rotation. And your 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 outfield, you're taking away your biggest power bat. You're making basically you're worsening yourself considerably immediately, and you're giving that up for a few unknowns. Uh, so I don't know what they're doing with with the Rangers. I know they got the new stadium there. They like to get some fans in there, and I don't think this is one of those moves that uh, is conducive for a, a team trying to to get fans in their new ballpark. So uh, thank you, Gordon, for checking in. Uh, finally, wrapping it up here, our guy Josh Bear uh, hits us off with another interesting. Tra- trade scenario the Sox need to make a move here because we're getting bombarded with these trade scenarios which I love but we need to get some action on this hot stove we all know the GMs are not meeting uh you know this year in person so I don't know what we're going to do this offseason but Josh uh proposes this deal with the Rockies Dylan Cease and Yoan Moncada for Nolan Arenado no, no, Nolan Arenado notably making thirty-five million dollars a year, and I think that's where it begins and ends for me. It's just strictly at the financials. I think in the grand scheme, and when it's all shaken out from here on out, Yoan Moncada will be a better baseball player than what Nolan Arenado Woo-hoo. will be from here out. Oh, from here on yeah. out. Yeah. Okay. From here on out, yeah. Like so, you're acquiring Nolan for his future services, and then you're giving away. It's like the Rockies reset with another decent young third baseman, especially this one who can switch yeah. hit in that ballpark. Man, 
all the home runs and triples that fucker would hit in, in a Coors Field. Mercy. Um, yeah. They'd be thrilled um, to make that deal. Like, they shed this, oh the payroll. They, yeah. would, they would hit the button already. Oh, we get rid of this malcontent who's not doing this to any championships and making a fucking boatload of money for a guy who's got a cost-controlled deal that's pretty favorable to us and has all of his prime years left. Yeah, let's do that immediately. And then we get Dylan C's on top of it. A pitcher, we don't have a lot of those. And a guy that might profile as a good pitcher with maybe a four and a half ERA here in Colorado, which for us is great. Oh, man, Colorado hit the hell out of that button. Yeah, you know, I think about it, though, from the Rockies' perspective, I think I would have to do it 10 times out of 10. But getting a guy who walks as many guys as Dylan Cease does in that ballpark, I'd be a little little weary about. Maybe that's something they consider. But, yeah, I'd make that deal if I'm the Rockies. That's how you know it's not a great deal for the White Sox. Like, I'd, I'd pound the, the deal, yes, accept trade right now if I'm the Rockies. So I, I just don't know how much that benefits the White Sox in the, in the here and now, giving away – starting rotation depth or someone could go down you may need Dylan C's and also the Moncada thing I think we're in agreement here uh, on this show that Yohan Moncada if he returns to form in 2021 is going to be a top 10 player in the American League for the next at least five years and you don't know what you're going to get out of Nolan Arredano for those next five years in your window so it's not a move that I would make but I think above all the financials uh, is what messed this thing up for the White Sox perspective. Thirty million, thirty-five million dollars a year for Arenado. That's too much of money. Um, and uh, Josh Bear wraps it up at this point. Uh, we have another um, Yadi Molina question. You know, he's another guy that wants to see Yadi Molina come in and be the bench coach. I threw this idea out there a few weeks ago. Um, I don't know what Yadi Molina is going to do. I don't know if he's going to retire. I would love to see him, but the Sox already have their bench coach and Miguel Cairo. Certainly, you could put him at third base coach and. You know, he's a smart baseball man, but I think until, you know, it's decided what Yachty's going to do, I think it would be still too early to tell. But, yeah, we would all are in agreement here that we'd love to have Yachty Molina in the fold in some way. Uh, you know, it's a bit of a hard-ass Hall of Famer, you know, to, to relate to the to the current players. But I think the Sox feel like they already have that with Miguel Cairo. So uh, thank you, Josh Bear, for checking in. Uh, yeah, Yachty's on a lot of people's radars here where we're noticing uh, as as people are looking for these St. Louis connections. So And also with the backup catcher role being vacant, like you know, they want to plug him in there. So, yeah, there's, there's nothing wrong with what, trying to model yourself after the Cardinals. They've got a lot of success. World Series trophies, their farm system is top-notch. The way they play the game is usually very competitive. So, yeah, there's, I totally see why you would make those connections there, Jashi Bear. So that's uh, that brings us uh, to the conclusion of Talk to Us Tuesday. I think that was a very productive uh, airing of our, our potential trades here with with our Lockdown White Sox contingent here. I, I had fun tonight. Yeah, I don't mind the, the speculate. Hey, you thinking about a trade, as I said earlier, make it hurt a little bit more than the ones that happened. I mean, my man who's uh, doing the – it was Josh Baird – doing the uh, Yohan to Colorado, that made me hurt a lot because it was a, <laughs> a really bad trade for the White Sox, and we're really not getting anything great back. I mean, Nolan Arnott is pretty good, pretty great, but I don't know how great he is outside of that ballpark. I think the splits back me up on that in that regard. Um, yeah, so keep them coming. If you want to do trade proposals, we're here the whole offseason, and I don't think this is going to get started like the offseason signings and trades not until like late December, early January. So bring them in. Lockdownsocks at gmail.com if you want to participate in our Mailbag Monday, Talk to Us Tuesday, What Up Wednesdays. Uh, Socks at gmail.com. Let's, so, preview, let's preview tomorrow's episode, Herbie. Tomorrow we have a full breakdown yeah. on whether or not the Sox should 
try and acquire Blake Snell, who was reported today that he uh, is being uh, floated out there on the market. Uh, the, the Rays are listening to offers for Blake Snell. And in tomorrow's episode, we're going to talk about that as a likely uh, scenario, as a potential scenario for the White Sox and Blake Snell uh, to be a landing spot. If I get the Rona. So that, that's a part of it, too, with our guy Blake Snell. So uh, stay tuned tomorrow for our Blake Snell episode, our final episode before we take a little Thanksgiving break. So, uh, yeah, that's coming up tomorrow. So uh, thanks for listening to Lockdown White Sox. That's all you got, Herbie. Thank you guys for listening, and we really appreciate it. And that episode is going to be really good because we love Blake Snell and see what we uh, propose to get this Blake Snell character up here in Chicago. So that's Chris Tannehill, Locked on Sox is the show. I'm Herb Lawrence. Ecknerwall23 is where you follow me. Chris is at Chris Tannehill, by the way. Um, the emails I already given you. So thank you for listening to this episode of Locked on Socks.